Hey, how's it going? This is Psychotronicast. We're opening up the show a little differently than we have in the past. We are recording this on June 19th, 2020, uh, this intro at least, and we are well, well into the summer of 2020. Um, <laughs> we recorded what you're about to hear after the intro uh, about a week before the murder of George Floyd. Uh, it's a we did an episode on Maniac Cop one and two. If we would have recorded it today on June twentieth, we would have uh, definitely had some tie-ins. So what's <laughs> well, going on? It's funny because when originally when this episode would have dropped, it was right in the middle of you know all of the uh, the protests and it was even like Blackout Tuesday. And I was like, ah, this is you. Know, we can probably wait. It seemed you know just almost too appropriate but also in light of what was going on uh, i guess it would just be you know good to talk about that yeah we might have you know brought up some other aspects of uh of what goes on in this this episode exactly and that's why we haven't released an episode in a while because this is the next episode in the order and it just didn't feel right but it's weird how movies have kind of even subconsciously pointed out how bad police suck Oh, yeah. Just when you go dating back to like you start a Dirty Harry, and then you even go to like we you know we just covered John McClane like that guy sucks. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a string of a trio of exploitation like shitty cop movies uh, in Maniac Cop, it, where even in Maniac Cop two you find out the chief of police is like the biggest piece of shit of them all, and also how even the Maniac Cop is in prison because he's a shitty cop. So, here we go. Oh yeah. So there's a yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I think everything we, we talk about, you know, would be appropriate for what we do. But it, it did seem almost like so pointedly crazy that just to give a little context that, yeah, you know, the conversation might have been a little different. Yes. So this conversation once again was recorded before the horrific <laughs> murder of George Floyd and everything, um, both positive and negative that has come out of that since. So these are times. These are times indeed. So we're going to keep it purely casual, and um, now you get to... Take it to the Wayback Machine. Yeah, Way so... back to May of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems so fucking long ago, let's be honest. All right. We're not even halfway through this year yet. God damn. <laughs> hey, what's going on? This is episode 104 of Psychotronicast. My name is Alec Berg, and joining me on a shitty line because it's fitting for the movie we're talking about, especially the way that you can stream the second one, is Derek Estes. You can and you should subscribe to us on Instagram and follow us on whatever podcast platform that you are listening to this on right now. We've got a Patreon for $5 a month. You can get a bonus 40 episodes or so that we've done specifically for that Patreon. And we have a website, psychotronicast.com. We have an email, psychotronicast at gmail.com. And we have each other. Okay. So without further ado. <laughs> we have all of you. Yeah. We have your ears. Derek, what the hell are you getting us into? Oh, this wasn't really. This is actually. We, we got ourselves both into this. I guess so. Uh, so we're doing our, our you know, sequel series. And uh, you know, neither one of us, I think, uh, had seen the Maniac Cop movies. Nope. So it was the perfect opportunity to uh, to dive in. Yeah. Uh, we only did the first two because we've only doing the first, you know, the the, the two movies. So uh, there is a third one, which apparently, like, pretty consistently, I've heard is kind of a mess. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll stop on ahead at least for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, what I guess. Um, you know, I, these were movies that, like, you know, I'd heard about, like, um, like Bill Lustig. The only movies of his that I'd seen before this, uh, like, you and I had watched Maniac together um, like a few years ago. And then I had seen, um, since, I, I, uh, Vigilante a couple times. And that one I really loved a lot. Um, but, yeah, I never got around to watching these ones. I know they have, like, a really big following, and people really love them. And, I, you know, I love Bruce Campbell and, uh, a lot. So, yeah, it, it, they were just kind of one of those those things that were kind of a, a hole for me. How about you? Did you did you have any movies on your radar before this? Or No, I mean, with Bill Lustig, I'd seen Maniac, and I most recently watched it um, through uh, Joe Bob Briggs did an episode on it, which was pretty sweet at the beginning of his second season. I don't know when you're listening to this, people out there. 
But that was great to just hear all the hoopla around that. So I know of Phil Lustig. Um, yeah, I never saw Maniac Cop, neither of them, or all, any of the three. And it just seemed like a movie. I was like, oh, this seems like really cool whenever I heard about it and like all the people that are in it. And um, then when I heard the PCP guys that uh, run the New Beverly talk about it on their podcast, um, I think it was them, that... I was like, okay, uh, we've got to see it. And then when the sequel thing came about, I was like, oh, perfect. Now we can both knock both of them out, and then we can talk about it. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad I watched both of them. Um, they're a little different than I thought they were going to be. And there's, like, more questions. I'm, I'm hoping you have answers for a, a few of the things. Because um, I was trying to do a little bit of research on this myself, and there really isn't that much out there besides the stuff that we'll get into. But one of the things... Uh, that's interesting to me is the first film had a budget of $2 million. It only made half a million dollars. And then the second film had a budget of $4 million and then went straight to video. And I'm like, I know V. Well, what I, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, I say from, with that, like what I had heard, and I don't totally know how this all works or what, you know, like with stuff like that when you're looking at like uh, box office receipts, it's always kind of weird because it depends on what what's being counted and how these things work. But yeah, I heard that the first one, the budget was actually only like 1.3 million. It was like super, super low. But um, but what I've heard is it actually did really well, like really well overseas, like huge in like, um, like Japan. I think I guess they also had to go in and like, uh, this is a weird thing, I don't totally know why, but in Japan, um, to show things, movies on TV, they need to be at least 92 minutes or 93 minutes. This movie, the first movie, only runs like 87. So they actually went back and they shot like five extra minutes of footage so it could play on TV. I mean, it seems weird because here we're just like, oh, the shorter it is, perfect, another commercial break. <laughs> For real. So I guess that maybe they still have as many commercials in Japan or they, they really want they really want at least an hour and a half of entertainment. Um but yeah, like it's kind of weird. There isn't as much I, in researching. I wasn't finding a whole lot either. Like I would find some stuff. Um, like there's some like YouTube videos where people kind of you know giving little things here and there. And I'm sure there are in, like books. But as far as like just uh, yeah, the the light research that I was doing as far as like Wikipedia and stuff, I wasn't really finding a whole lot. Um, but yeah, so the other like person besides so Bill uh, Lustig, I, I don't really know. This kind of period of his career is really weird to me because, you know, Maniac, I guess, you know, when that came out, it um, did really well, but it was really controversial and had all these issues. And then um, he, you know, made Vigilante a couple of years later, um, which to me, I feel like between the two of those movies, like, and maybe it's just also because of the cast in Vigilante, where you have, like, Robert Forster and you have, um, you know, Fred Williamson, like, even, like, Woody Strode and... Yeah, it, it feels almost like more of a, a step up, like where, you know, like Maniac is definitely like a super grindhouse, uh, you know, kind of like sleaze movie, you know, that would have played on video or whatever. Vigilante is a little bit closer to um, like like Canon-esque, but I mean, maybe a little higher even. Like it's just, um, it has a thing where it seems like it would have been like a huge hit on cable. You know, or it would have been like the, that step that would have like gotten him up, kind of like that was kind of early '80s Cronenberg movies, where it's like, oh yeah, you can still see their lower budget, but the cast is getting better, and you just seem like this is just like those steps to like making more mainstream movies. And I don't really know what happened or why that that uh, step in his career didn't come about. Um, but apparently, it was like you know several years later, and he runs into Larry Cohen. Larry Cohen was a big fan of Maniac, and he was like, you know, why, why do you ever make Maniac too? And uh, and he's just like, I don't, you know, whatever. He was afraid of the sequels, or I don't know what the. I'm sure there's other like weird issues. Um, and he was, I don't know if he was really distributing movies at this point too. Like uh, Bill Lustig, you know, later on, especially after he uh, stopped making movies in the mid '90s. He uh, worked with Anchor Bay, and then he founded Blue Underground, like the video label. And so he's put out, he's like released so many other things. So that was kind of like what his big thing has been for the past like 20, 25 years, is like releasing other people's movies. Yeah, so I wonder if he was doing anything along those lines in that period or, or what had happened. But um, yeah, so then, um, you know, Larry Cohen and him just came up with this idea to do like a spin. I think like... Uh, 
Galactic had kind of the kernel of the idea of what he wanted, and then you know Larry Cohen then went and like wrote the script and then um, produced the movie. Um, yeah, this this yeah, the, movie like, like totally in a good way reeks of Larry Cohen, like the especially the first one, like the dialogue, the way the story moves, like for you know like a sleazy B movie picture, like I was uh, with both of them, like people when people die in this movie, I'm shocked because I mean there's basically like a Janet Lee moment in the first one from Psycho where you're just like wait what <laughs> you know like I can't believe this person's dead already um it's crazy I don't know if you didn't see some of the stuff coming and I was just being dumb but uh there was some I was yeah I was took it for a spin a couple times with some of the deaths in both of the films where I'm like I did not think that they were going to die Yeah I think both movies kind of have that that sort of thing. I think like the first one, it's weird. Like um, for me, like the, the basic you know, premise is there is, you know, a killer on the loose and he's, you know, he's a cop, he's a giant. Um, and uh, the, the guy's name is, um, uh, I can't, uh, it is uh, Robert Zadar plays the cop. And he is, he has like a facial deformity, he has a huge jaw. And, uh, and so, you know, he's on the loose, and the word gets out that there's, like, you know, a killer cop, and it's just, you know, starts panic. But um, for me, I think that, yeah, like, a lot of the, the bounce stuff was really great, but the script, to me, was, like, really weird and clunky, though. Like, it was very, like, I love all the people in it, but there was definitely, like, weird beats that it kind of almost reminded me closer to something like, uh, um, what is it, uh, The Age Murders? Oh, kind of my thing. God, Yeah. Um, where it's like, it was just like, especially because it, it, it's like, I still totally enjoyed the movie, but it was, I was a little surprised at how kind of amateurish a lot of the stuff was because a lot of these people were also kind of this point, like, um, like the cast is, you know, they're not like, you know, like big names, but as far as like exploitation movies, these were all seasoned people. Yeah. You know, even like Bruce Campbell, you know, he's kind of like, um, up and coming, but he'd already done like the, you know, the first two Evil Dead movies and, yeah, he, he, you know, he's been doing stuff a little bit, but there's just some weird things, like even some of the, the dialogue, I mean, it's, it's Larry Cohen, um, but there's some, like, hilariously just bizarre scenes in this movie. Like, I love, uh, after, this is the whole thing with this Bruce Campbell, well, his whole thing is very funny, too, where he's a cop, but he's cheating on his wife uh, with another cop, and his wife is also crazy, and she thinks that his, he could be the killer cop, Um but then you realize that his girlfriend, he's having an affair with, she's a cop, but she's an undercover cop. But uh, there's this whole scene where she's about to be, like, accosted by um, uh, the the killer, uh, Cordell, I think is his name. Yeah. And there's this whole, like, shootout, and then uh, Jen, uh, uh, Atkins, like, shows up, and then they have this, you know, shootout, and they're like, oh, my God. And so they end up, like, just going to a bar. <laughs> yes. Like, well, hilarious to me. It's so great. I that's I that's one of my favorite parts of the first one is she's the undercover cop. Uh, she's undercover as a prostitute, and um, Cordell knows exactly where to find her for some reason. I just go like, whatever. It's it's a horror movie, I guess. So like, <laughs> you could just go like, I I did that like ten times in both films where I'm like, it's a horror movie kind of. So you just gotta throw like logic and like just. Well, there are just a lot of things that just seem weird where it, it's like I had to rewind certain things. So I'm like, wait, did I miss something? But it's like, no, it, it makes weird leaps. Almost yes. like there's like stuff cut out. You're like, or there's uh, a scene way later on where it's like, if you aren't totally, like this, this little scene, um, like kind of a, you know, throw away like you know, a car going over a bridge or something. And there's so much um, like, this huge leap of expository dialogue that you have to, to even understand, like, the logical, how to get these characters in one totally crazy situation into another totally crazy situation with, like, with, you know, whatever, like a 15-second shot of, like, a bridge or something. And you're like, and you're like wait, what just happened? Like, wait, and you had to go back and re-listen to the thing to understand, like, all this. Yeah, it was just weird. You're like, this is so Nuts. Well, uh, to go back to like, whatever, this is it. yeah, and then to to go back to Teresa being undercover as a prostitute, um, so like, <laughs> so yeah, no, Tom Atkins like saves her, or whatever, and uh, they go and he's just like, all right, 
Um, I'll take you to a safe place or whatever. And then he goes to a bar and then he orders a round of drinks and like he's got like what I imagine to be like whiskey or scotch like on the rocks and it is like a a dive bar like regular pour and then he's like just start a tab okay to like the bartender that drops off the drinks and then the bartender starts walking away he's like oh yeah it's it's last call he's like all right two more make them doubles and i'm just like jesus he's like getting this girl bombed and then he just goes like hey you can you can stay at my place and it's just like what and then also she's still like in her prostitute makeup so you think but the rest of the movie, she's dressed like that. So you're like, oh, she's... No, that's, that what? <laughs> amazing. No, that's one of my favorite things with that character. Because normally, you, you know, when you see that character, she, you know, they usually go through an effort to show, like, oh, they're different. Like, you know, she's putting on the outfit. But normally she's, like, you know, maybe kind of this tough bitch. Or, you know, there's something. You know, she's a cop. Uh, this movie, it, uh, it's like, you know, she has her crimp hair. And she just seems like... She just seems like she's playing the hooker the whole time and it's kind of so great you're like this is so print no. hair um you're like this is all the all the crazy stuff that beautiful. would make me i don't know like i just all the stuff that doesn't work in these two movies and this is what i didn't think i was gonna like i thought i was gonna this was gonna be something like this is like a low budget robocop that i just never did never like had the time or you know, the place to, like, yeah. watch. And now I'm, I'm going to discover this finally, and these Maniac Cop movies are going to be movies that I'm just going to show over and over again. I don't think that at all. But I, but what I did get out of it was all the horseshit in these movies and the weirdness and, like, Tom Atkins basically playing the same character that he did in Halloween 3, like, is yeah. beautiful. Like, that's my, that's my, that's my shit right there. <laughs> like, it's so good. Well, the thing is, like, all these people, like, I think he's great, like, uh, Richard Roundtree, like, Shaft, like, he is, like, the commissioner, and it's just great seeing him. You've got, um, William Smith is, like, you know, he's, like, another, like, the police chief. He's really weird. And then it's funny because uh, the woman that, so, um, as they realize it's been this whole kind of conspiracy where, you know, the uh, Cordell character, like, he had been kind of, like, framed and his life was ruined and he was sent to Sing Sing, and... He was, uh, yeah, he was like killed in the, a shower fight in prison, which is okay. I'm gonna say of the four uh, Bill Lustig movies I've seen, three of them now feature uh, shower prison fight scenes. <laughs> I think it's kind of maybe it's a thing, but I mean, uh, this one is actually just repeated in the next one. But I'm like, oh, this is clearly something that means something to him. <laughs> uh, but you realize that uh, Cornell is an idiot cop, but he has kind of an in. He's working with this. A uh, woman, she's like uh, been crippled, and she's like, oh, yeah. But it's funny because there's a whole thing with her character where uh, it's when Teresa's trying to talk to her, uh, about this woman to uh, Tom Atkins, and he's like, "Who is that?" And she's like, "You know, the woman with the leg break. She's been working there for 25 years." And he's like, "Oh yeah, she's the kind of woman you don't remember or whatever." Yeah. And like, God, no wonder this woman hates all these people. But that woman, uh, Shereen North. So it's funny, so I'm like, God, how do I know this? And it's like, she has been coming up so much in, like, movies I've been watching lately. Uh, or just weird things. So she was, uh, in, like, Don Siegel really loved her, so he put her in a bunch of his movies. So she was in, like, Charlie Barrick. She was just uh, in this, uh, The Shootist with John Wayne. She plays, like, his ex-flame in that. She was also in this episode of The Golden Girls I just watched, like, about a week ago, where she's Blanche's, like, sister who's dying of cancer. And I'm like, God, like... Cherie North was all over the place, but it was just really funny seeing her in this role. Um, but yeah, then, uh, yeah, it's it's so great. I also kind of love, like, totally go off topic from that, but, uh, you know, Bruce Campbell is always known for having such a huge chin, and I think that him being paired in this movie really makes him, you know, makes his proportions seem way more uh, conservative and normal. He's for also real. really handsome in this movie, too. Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's like, uh, it almost doesn't look like him in a way. Where, yeah. I, I know it's super young Bruce Campbell, but I mean, I've seen the Evil Dead movies plenty of times, Ar Army of Darkness, y you know, uh, but for some reason he... part of it is he's not hysterical. You know, he's not as crazy. No, he actually he does turn it up a little bit in number two, but I don't want to step on that episode, uh, that part yeah. of the episode yet. But like, uh, yeah, in the first one, his character, like, it was, is a trip to me where it was just like, oh, this guy's like a son of a bitch, which he's always kind of like a little bit of like a stinker and like you know the sam raimi movies but like 
he's not like a bastard and he's like kind of a bastard in this movie and uh yeah you're like oh weird like that's a yeah these both of these movies like i really thought i was like walking into something else uh, like to repeat myself like i'm glad i got what i got but like i wasn't expecting yeah. that with either of these movies and then maybe that's why all the the, yeah. ki- the kills in this movie uh especially the first one or even now the second one too yeah both are just like whoa like when uh tom atkins gets it like uh you know in the second act you're like wait wasn't oh, this yeah. movie about him like it was like a janet lee moment <laughs> from psycho like i mentioned earlier yeah and then it just kind of goes off on some other shit but it doesn't really do what psycho did and its brilliance of like oh now the story's about this it kind of does it in like a shittier way like when you and i watch dangerous men and i made that joke of like oh watch like the you know who the movie was following the first like 15 minutes the guy's dead and i'm like oh it'd be funny if the movie was about the killer now and then you're like just wait (laughs) and then it happened and you're like what now it's about this like both movies do that where you're like wait so who's what's happening <laughs> like who what where, uh, yeah. what who are we following um <laughs> it's a, it's a trip i guess we could just go back and forth be eh, maybe not um i i will say oh, one yeah. thing the a uh, 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 podcast that i really do like the um saturday night movie sleepovers i don't know who said it jay blake or dion by uh, but they were talking, they were doing an episode on Halloween 3, and one of them wrote that, like, or said that, like, yeah, one of the things in my notes was, uh, that Tom Atkins proves that any man is leading man material, and it's, like, totally true, but he meant it in an endearing way, but also it's, like, you look at him, and, like, especially because he's, any movie that I've seen him in, he's always, like, a ladies' man, where you're, like, really? Like, yeah, you just, yeah. yeah, like, Tom Atkins, man. Women, women love that craggy man. I love it, and he's like always like a booze bag, and yeah, no, it's great. I just like think uh, yeah. we need more of that. We need we need that to come <laughs> back. But yeah, the one of the only totally. things that I can look up about this movie, besides like the budget things, where like I know that Bruce Campbell hates this movie, <laughs> so yeah, he took it for the money, blah, blah blah. I guess that's like a thing where it's like. Um, if you mention it to him in public, like he'll, he'll kind of like talk shit to you or whatever. I don't know. So uh, I know Bruce Campbell lives in Portland. So if I ever run into him, I'll be sure to well, talk about anything but in, Maniac uh, Cop. Jacksonville. Like he's funny. Like I've, I've run into him a couple times, but he came into uh, our old bar um, at Softbox a couple times. And he was super nice. He had a really weird drink, though. I think he drank, I can't remember if it was, like, Don Julio with a Hendrix rinse or it was a Hendrix with a Don Julio rinse. It was really weird. But super friendly guy. Like, yeah, he was really down. I also ran into him at Kelly's Olympian one night, too. Um, yeah, he's, he's great. But it's funny. He's, yeah, he's such a weird guy because he's, like, one of those cult actors, you know, that has this huge following. But it's kind of really based off of, so little. I mean, he's obviously done with TV shows like Burn Notice and things, but yeah, it's like you know, him playing Ash and then uh, like Bubba Hotep and you know, a few things here and there. But yeah, I feel like it's my my introduction. My introduction to him was when I was a kid, I used to watch The Adventures of Briscoe County Junior. Briscoe County Junior. Yeah. So I watched every episode of that. And I loved it. It was like I watched that and like Walker, Texas Ranger. I think this is all all shit on CBS. Like this is when yeah. only like ancient people and little idiots like me like CBS programming. Kids have no choice. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but yeah, I love Briscoe County Junior. So like when I saw Evil Dead, well, I think e- it was, didn't Sam Raimi actually produce that? I think so. I think I was like looked it up recently yeah. where I was like, I wonder if there's anything. I still haven't seen an episode since I was a kid, and I know it's trash. Like, I know it's so bad, but, like, I'm kind of curious to go back and just be like, what was this like? Like, because I remember it in I my feel like head. Was, I feel like that was kind of in that, um, it was the same period they were doing this Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's that kind of wave of you know, doing, like, kind of 1930s, 1940s kind of, you know, adventure serials. Um, it was cute. Yeah, um, yeah like, I was into it as a kid. Yeah, what was the other thing? Uh, Swamp Thing. I think I like that show a lot. I like some weird shit. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. So 
Maniac Cop. Uh, yeah. It, well, it, so then, like, everything, like, they, you know, no one believes that uh, Cordell is still alive. Like, oh, no, he's dead. And, and it is kind of like, you definitely get the impression that, you know, he's like, he is undead, but his hands are really cold, and he's like, he has this, you know, inhuman strength. Um, yeah, and you kind of get these little, little glimpses of him. But, yeah, the end, like, that whole, um, you know, like, the big, the bust up in the, the prison, we're all in there, and he's just, like, hanging the police officers. It's, like, that gets, like, super brutal and violent. Um, and, like, that whole, like, final... It's, like, every 80s action movie where everything has to end up in some sort of warehouse or, like, dockyard. Uh-huh. Uh, everything's very industrial. It was, like, some sort of, like, uh, industrial showdown. Um, and I love his, like, sort of death where he's just, like, driving the van. Yeah. And he just drives right into that fucking... That yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's it's weird because he like screams and you weren't expecting that out of him because he's like get, <laughs> gets it. He's like, Bruh! and you're like, huh? And then he goes off the edge and you think he's dead, but he's not. Whatever. Kind of has a well, similar and impervious to bullets too. Mm-hmm. And he kind of has a similar ending to Maniac, where it's like Joe Spinell gets like torn limb from limb from all the, you know. Um, mannequins with scalped women's heads on them and uh, you realize he just like stabbed himself or whatever but then he opens his eyes at the end it's like dun 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 it's like the end with this one it's like it zooms in on the water that he plummets into and it's like dun 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 and then like his hand comes out and grabs the side you're like here we go but yeah it's almost like the, the carry ending yeah and it's you like know, the, the hand coming out of the grave for sure and, yeah, same with, um, yeah, I guess a lot of movies do that, so, eh, <laughs> Maniac's not the only one. Okay, so, yeah, Maniac 2 basically picks up right where Maniac 1 left off, so much so that it wants to show you the final scene in Maniac all over again, <laughs> which I love when movies yeah. do that. They don't do that anymore, but I feel like when I was a kid, there's, like, a handful of flicks that I watched where it's just, like, it was almost like a previously on. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's good. And uh, it sucks because, like... It's great because I honestly feel like the second Maniac Cop 2, especially with that scene in it, is almost so self-contained. You almost wouldn't even need to see... Like, you could just watch Maniac Cop 2 and you understand what's going on. You know, he has just the flashbacks to other stuff. And, you know, it, it even talks about his origin in the second one a little bit. It's kind of like how Evil but Dead 2 like starts. That. Like, Evil Dead 2 starts, yeah. like, pretty much the same way. You know, I wonder if it's probably a similar reason because I know with uh, the Evil Dead movies, like they had different rights holders, like the people who financed and had the whole held the rights to the first Evil Dead um, had no part of Evil Dead Two, so uh, that's why they've always kind of been split up or whatever. I think the same thing happened with these movies where um, the financiers of the first movie, I think, didn't come back to do the second one. Yeah, um, I can't remember. So I wonder if it's something. Well. Lucky, lucky us. I wrote down who did the second one because I thought the names were so hilarious. It's, you know, when you think of movie studios and production companies, you think of, you know, 20th Century Fox, MGM, Paramount. Um, but I personally think of the Movie House Sales Company and Fad Entertainment Presents. <laughs> what? I mean, that is a mark of quality. Yeah. Like a, yeah. And speaking of quality, That's like, fair. going from, like, a rented uh, voodoo copy of Maniac Cop 1 that was, like, a, you know, HD, Blu-ray, tran- whatever you want to call it, to, like, the free Amazon Prime Part 2, which was, like, literally ripped from someone's, like, shitty VCR tape. It was it you was know, it's funny. Terrific. I was thinking about that because... I was looking up, like, on the Just Watch, like, where to watch it, and it said that it was on in HD on Amazon. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And I look, and it's totally not. And then it was like, when I learned that it was originally released on VHS, I'm like, is there a better version? Because I know they put it out on Blu-ray, so I feel there has to be, like, some uh, HD master somewhere. But, yeah, it's totally in, like, square Academy ratio. Um, and, you know, it's yeah, super kind of, like, I mean, it's watchable. It's not, like, a terrible VHS copy, but you definitely have that. That standard definition VHS element to it, which is you know appropriate for this movie. Yeah, and it was good because when the credits are rolling, you even see like the the the, the t- 
title cards themselves like scrambling i'm like oh man it's kind of yeah it's really fitting just like this episode now with all the technical difficulties <laughs> that we had trying to get our usual setup going and then we just had to resort to me plugging a phone call into a speaker that's like yeah yeah and that's where we are but yeah Poor so um it's weird, yeah. I it, the classic like sequel to a horror movie when the original person doesn't want to be in it anymore, or like they're they become too expensive, or whatever the case is. Because I got I got played again because like Bruce Campbell gets got in like ten minutes, and I'm like, wait, oh, yeah. whoa! And then uh, you know the hooker outfit undercover cop chick gets it like thirty minutes later, that. and I was just like, wait. Well, that scene is one of my favorites in this whole movie. That's the best in the franchise to me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's so good. Well, the other, you know, it's funny, the other person we have to talk about is uh, Robert Dobby, who now is, okay, so, of the movies we've been talking about the past few weeks, this is his third appearance, because he's in Predator 2, he's in uh, Die Hard, and he's in this movie. And this movie came out the same year as Predator 2, so he was was pretty busy. Well, her, so him and, um, Claudia Christian, who I guess the movie is really about, I guess, uh, their filmography is insane. They're like giving, they're chasing Eric Roberts' territory here. They're like over 150 movie credits each. I mean, granted, like 99% of their movie credits are like pure shit, but man, they're getting work. They're just getting out there. They're getting it. Well, with him, like, it's funny. One of the little things I know about him is they, I think they were in Europe or somewhere and they had been promoting the first movie and someone was like, I think they were going to get like Han or something. And someone was talking about Lloyd Kaufman and you know, me and Kaufman. He's like, oh, we're going to get a sequel going. And the story that I heard was that uh, at the time it was, uh, I think, Live and Let Die, or not Live and Let Die, uh, uh, what is the License to Kill? Mm-hmm. The newest Bond movie with uh, Timothy Dalton and Robert Dobby was in this. And he saw him on the poster, and he said that he had, they're like, oh, he have lined up for Maniac Cop 2. They didn't have lined up at all. They're like, oh, he's like, oh, Robert Dobby. And they're like, ooh, awesome. So then he, like, went back to L.A., and he made sure to get a hold of Robert Dobby. And Robert Dobby didn't really want to do it because he was like, he was like, well, can, I mean, I'd love to work with, you know, Bill Lustig or whatever, but it can't not be Maniac Cop 2. Like, I you know, just did Die Hard. I just did the new James Bond movie where I'm the villain. I have, like, you know, he has, like, um, he's in like one other kind of higher profile um, action movie, and he's like, this just seems like just step down. But they, they, whatever, they sold him on it. Then he'd been making some other movie in the jungle, and it was, it sucks. And are like, well, we'll put you up in a really nice hotel in New York, and you know, we'll make it like worth your time. Um, so he agreed. But apparently, like, uh, yeah, uh, Claudia Christian, like, she was apparently a total nightmare diva, like the whole movie. Like, she was um, really competitive with Robert Dobby, and she would like definitely measure this, uh, the length of his trailers, you know, because it was longer than hers, and she wouldn't take direction, and she wouldn't, like, um, she wouldn't do any of the stunts, like, it really was kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. But, yeah, she looks know, like, those she, are the stories I she seems like a bummer, but I was looking up her IMDb, and around the same time, too, I don't know, somebody... <laughs> Somebody like that shouldn't complain when, like, there's a... Fuck, I gotta look it up now. But um, there's basically another movie where she's a cop, but her partner is a gnome. Like an actual... Like a a garden gnome. A gnome called Norm? Yes. And the gnome is called (laughs) Norm. And there's a scene that you can... There's, like, a, a photo you can look on IMDb of, like, them kissing. And it is fucking frightening. It's like if you put, if Alf was raised in a sewer and then put in a microwave and was going through puberty, that's what the gnome looks like. And she's making out with it. So. Um, I'm going to say that's going to have to be the next thing we cover. <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'll watch it for sure. I'll watch that movie. But, um. Well, you know what else? I, I didn't put this together until right now, so I'm looking at her filmography. Um, she's in another one of our favorite movies, The Hidden. And I, I didn't remember her in that. I didn't remember. Oh, she's the fucking stripper. She's a stripper with the butt crack. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my god, that's yeah. totally her. Yeah. So her her career was killer. By the way, if you haven't uh, subscribed to our Patreon, which you haven't because we don't have any, 
subscribe. You can. There's an episode that we did on the hidden, which is like super awesome. Fucking uh, Kyle McLaughlin pre Twin Peaks, but he's still playing Agent Dale Cooper in a way. You'll see. Um, yeah, yeah. She's the butt crack stripper. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, that scene, though, once uh, the first, like, prostitute detective gets it and it becomes Claudia's movie for some reason. Um, yeah, well, she's... Well, that whole, like... Yeah, so you go. Once they kind of get up together, it's like... Because, um, you know, first, the whole thing is... Uh, you know, Claudia's character, she's, like, the the, uh, the shrink. Or, you know, she's the therapist for all the police who have to deal with, like, violence and... and First, she kind of clashes with Robert Dobby because he's been involved in this like police shooting. And he doesn't believe in therapy, but his you know his previous uh, partner had been killed or killed themselves because they had been too traumatized by some shit. So whatever, and she's been fighting with Bruce Campbell and Teresa. She's like, I don't believe you. Like whatever, you guys need help. So anyhow, whatever, all this shit gets going, and she starts realizing that maybe there's a point to what they're talking about. And she ends up like going to see Teresa, and then they're like, "Well, we we have to go to this TV show, you know, which is also coming to be kind of hilarious." But uh, they leave Teresa's apartment, and so they get into like uh, they first get into a cab, but then that ends up like getting all fucked up because the tires are all fucked up, and the cabbie tries to get out and change the tires, and then that's around the same point that uh, you know, like maniac cop shows up and another vehicle, so she ends up. Teresa takes the car and just like ditches the cabbie out there, and he gets killed right away. And she's driving like crazy, like very like Larry Cohen style, like all like over on sidewalks. I know she was like, you know, actually, it's funny. I did hear a little bit about this. They did have police protection through a lot of this because they were shooting it around Christmas time, and the police just wanted the overtime. So they actually had like they had a lot of like weird police kind of help. Um, maybe kind of illegally even on some of these things, but so they're driving on sidewalks with no wheels, so it's just like sparks everywhere. And first, I'm like, shit, this is a really cool scene. Then uh, they get like they finally like kind of crash or things get kind of fucked up, and then he shows up and he's like, you know, fighting Teresa. He throws her into like a window, and then he's like going back to uh, you know fuck with Claudia, and he gets like his handcuffs and handcuffs her hands to the wheel, the steering wheel, but she's outside of the, the vehicle, and then just, like, sets it going, so she's, like, just, like, whatever, like, flying in this car, just, like, handcuffed to the wheel, and can't get in, then you get Teresa jumps back out, but she has a fucking chainsaw, and she tries to attack him, but he's impervious to that, so then he just fucking strangles her, so you have this other, like, really great scene of just, like, this fucking runaway car, like, yeah. with no wheels, and this woman, like, hanging on to like the, the side of it and it looks so fucked up um i was like this is amazing this is so good yeah it's definitely the best scene in both films and especially when like the car starts crashing into shit and you can see that it's like a dummy just strapped to the side of the car it even makes it better um oh yeah but yeah just the wheels like rolling on like rim and it's just like sparks flying everywhere it kind of reminds me of my dad told me story like when he moved to la in like the late 60s he was working on the arco towers uh, in downtown LA, so he's like living around there. And what him and some of his friends like to do on the weekends, my dad like rode like motorcycles and shit, and like would park his like motorcycle in the living room, bachelor pad style. And they would go yeah. out on the weekends like hammered on their bikes, and they would uh, wear their boots, but they would get taps put on their boots. And what they would do is uh, my dad would get on one side of one car, and his friend would get on another side of another car. Max was his name. And uh, they turn off their lights, and they just throw their boots down so sparks would fly up like crazy. So the car driving thinks that it was, like, driving on rim like it was in that movie, and it would, like, freak the fuck out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, like, that's Friday? I'm like, what the fuck are you guys that's doing? That's a high concept. <laughs> uh, high concept, awesome. hammered Friday night, just driving around L.A., letting the sparks fly. Um <laughs> Right on. So, yeah, uh, there's that. And then also, Maniac Cop 2 style, uh, fucking Charles Napier shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> well, that's what I love. So, yeah, that's the TV show they're supposed to head towards, where it's supposed to be kind of like, almost like maybe America's Most Wanted, but then, like, as a talk show. And the other person that's in this movie, too, is really funny. Michael Lerner is in it. He basically takes over 
uh, for Richard Roundtree, and uh, and he's just kind of great because he about uh, maybe a, a year or two before he did. Uh, oh God, now my brain's working. Uh, what's that fucking awesome movie that uh, he did that we watched at the All Night Horror Movie Marathon a couple of years ago? Uh, oh, it's gonna make me crazy. Wait, exp- where it's like, we'll explain uh, what it's about. It's, well, it's because it's the one. Oh my God. Um, it's, I, I, it's, I hate to talk about what's about oh, English. Oh it's yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He's the one where I thought I thought that was fucking Newman from Seinfeld, but it was just young that guy. <laughs> I was just like convinced, yeah. and you're like, that wasn't Newman. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, English. Yeah, no. Check that well, shit out. Well, he always out. is like, it's in so many just weird. I mean, he just pops up here and there, but I always think of him in, uh, you know, uh, like Barton Fink, and like he'll, you know, be like, you know character actor but he pops up like all the time in weird shit but i kind of love it's like the carrying on the tradition but yeah so he's on the show too yeah charles napier is the host and then there's like uh michael lerner and then there's like claudia but she's like on the show but she's in her, her arm is in a fucking bandage and then she's taking over for the dead girl but they don't really totally address this and the, you know the cops are still trying to like play down the fact that it's like you know, the maniac cop, or, you know, they're like, oh, Cordell is dead. But you're like, well, how am I just wanted this crazy show? And they're like, oh, yeah, this, this one was this woman who was just killed. Just going to put her on a talk show now. Yeah. <laughs> like, immediately. Well, I like when, she, after uh, her, yeah, after her, like, car thing, where she's, like, riding around the side of a fucking car on the New Jersey Turnpike, she's, like, getting pulled into a stretcher, and she's like, hold on, like, you make sure I look good. I got to be on television in a few hours. It's like, what? And then she, I thought it was like a joke in the movie, like, ha, 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 she has to go to the hospital. It's like, nope, she's on television in a few hours. And also, I like that the, like, the commissioner of the New York Police Department is on this, like, basement, like, fucking shit show, and Napier's just, like, oh, yeah. grilling him, and he's just, like, sweating like a whore in church, and you're like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, and then later in the film, when Robert Dobby's like, Admit what you did and blah 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 because he's gonna you fuck everything up and sing scene and the guy's just like okay and then he's just on the fucking megaphone later and it's just like <laughs> hey dude so like you went to prison but it should have been me because I'm a piece of shit anyway <laughs> ta ta you're just like I love that. what the commissioner um yeah this movie well it's all around the time too where you have you suddenly um we meet this other character who's in a strip club watching this TV show, which is another thing that I'm like, I love. Um, like now, now you know this guy's a real freak. Um, so he is in a strip club, and he ends up, you realize that he's kind of the serial killer, and he's stalking the dancers. So then there's this whole thing with one of the dancers, and she's at home, but then the creep, like, you know, shows up, and he's going to, like, strangle her. And then she's already called the police, but then Cordell shows up, and then he tries to strangle the woman, and the cops come and he kills them, and then him and the, like, serial killer, who looks, like, totally crazy like Harry, <laughs> it looks like crossing, like, the Wolfman and Charles Manson. Yes. And then that guy, like, takes him, he's like, oh, come stay with me. <laughs> like, you're a freak, too. Um, and you're like, oh, my God. And so they go back to that dude's place, and they're just, like, hanging out and, you know, bonding. Which, that guy's place is pretty uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird like basement cave mm-hmm. joint. But I like how I'm like I don't understand why Cordell's like into this guy. Like, okay, he just kind of turns into like a big lug that just follows him around. Yeah, it's weird. Well, I think because he maybe sees that he's just like he is so he's such a mega freak, and he also I guess you kind of figure out that Cordell has this plan. When we actually we understand this because him and the serial killer have, like, a weird psychic connection. Uh, kind of like, it reminds me of, like, E.T. and Elliot, where <laughs> the, uh, the serial killer, like, both motives are, and that he wants to stop an army of freaks, basically. Because then, uh, you know, Robert, I mean, they, they end up, like, figuring out who the serial killer is, they go and catch him, and he's in jail. But while he's in jail, he's in jail with, like, uh, uh, Danny Trejo, which is also great. And also, uh, Claudia shows, I can't remember why she's in the jail. Oh, she's uh, a police officer. Now she's like, in uniform. 
And he's like, oh, don't worry. My buddy's going to come break me out because we're going to go, like, we have to go to Sing Sing to break people out and start, like, an army. You know, he's like, what? And so then sure enough, like, he does show up. But there's this really great, that massacre in the, well, first there's the massacre in the shooting range, uh, which is really great. And then, like, him tearing apart the police station is so awesome. Like, mm-hmm. this seems like when he throws that one dude, he's just breaking through all the different partitions. Yeah. It's like, that's where you see where they put all this money towards the action scenes. Like, this is so dope. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, heightened Terminator 1 police fucking shutdown station. Uh, yeah, and then it's, yeah, it's so weird. It's like, all right, now we're going on a field trip, and we're going to go to Sing Sing or whatever. And they show up there, yeah. and, of course, they go down to, like, the the quad where uh, he was murdered or whatever. At least the inmates were living there, and then everything catches on fire pretty much. Uh, but the, yeah, that's the, also, like... That's nuts. so nuts. But the Charles Manson guy thing, where he gets all bummed out about him and tries to kill him, like, you're not my real friend. I was like, what? What's happening? <laughs> He just, like, bugs out, and it was just like, you're trying to stab a guy who's been on fire for, like, three minutes and on a murder rampage? Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> no, and you, you have to be that crazy. Yeah. That whole scene, too, like, when he's, like, on fire and they bust through the window, it's like a brick wall window. Uh, but if he's been walking through doors and doing all sorts of crazy, like, monster shit, it's like the Kool-Aid man. So he, like, busts <laughs> through the window, the brick window and shit, and he's just, like, a ball of flames and he lands on the bus and the bus catches flames and he, but you see all the shots too like there's the shot from inside the bus with the flaming ball of fire like falling down into it and then you see like it's just like all of the they got so much good coverage and they got so much shit you're like god this is this is great I can see why Bill Lustig loves this movie so much yeah you're like, yeah you really got money to do like a good sleazy crazy movie but I'm also surprised that it didn't do I mean it didn't seem like this movie would have gotten some sort of release, even though it was like a sweet trash movie, just all the uh, the production value they got out of it. Yeah. Um, so I think we're I, I can I can see just by talking about both films, we're probably both in agreement here that Maniac Cop Two is the Maniac Cop, the the Supreme. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I d- think so. I mean, I think like Maniac Cop, the first one is, uh, and it's like it's totally fun, like worth watching. But I think that watching the first one, like hearing how much people love these movies like i wouldn't have gotten that from the first one i'm like oh okay this is like fine but you know i, I probably wouldn't have thought much about it you know if i went back and was, oh yeah it's like one of those movies you know one of those like kind of cool sleazy 80s movies one thing i do think that these movies have um it's all the location stuff um you know the first one you definitely get like so much of like new york where you're like they're just shots where you're like oh yeah there's the empire state building in the background you know, this is, you know, there's the Brooklyn Bridge, there's whatever. Um, where, you know, like, you definitely know you're not, they're not shooting in Toronto uh, for a lot of that. The second movie they did, apparently shoot about half of it in L.A. Because I think they had, like, whatever, they were having a lot of issues. All with the, the stunt stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, cause they were, it's all non-union, and they were having, like, the teamsters were giving them a lot of shit where they were, um, like, for night scenes, they were shining bright lights on them, or they would, like, have, they're doing uh, interiors, but they'd have uh, people riding around on mufflers, or, I mean, on motorcycles with no mufflers what? outside. That's to, like, fuck with them. so crazy. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think that was part of why they ended up coming back to California. But, yeah, so I think there's a lot of stuff. But it, I think it blended pretty well, um, where I'm, like, I wasn't distracted by, like, oh, now they're in California. Um, I don't know. I guess if I, if I thought about that watching it, I might, I might notice it more. But um, the, all the location stuff, I think, is really cool. And as it, you'll see them on, like, you know, 42nd Street and all these, like, um, these great spots. You're like, God, that is, like, right there is worth your, your admission to watch these movies. Yeah, anytime. There's nothing better looking on film than shitty New York City. Like, yeah. g- give me, like, yeah, some grimy 42nd Street footage, and I'm like, I want to watch this movie. Anytime I see it in a film, I'm like, it immediately makes a film, like, ten times better. What was the oh, one yeah. that we were watching, um, that, like, super, super sleazy movie, uh, they go back to Staten Island to fuck? Oh, uh, 
Flash Palm on 42nd Street. Yeah, Flash Palm on 42nd Street. Yeah, if if that movie took place in, like, Cleveland, Ohio, I would be like, I'm good. But the fact that it takes place on 42nd Street, I'm like, I'm in. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that movie's awesome. That's, that's my favorite Andy Milligan movie. It's it's so awesome. But, yeah, I mean, I'm always a sucker for that. It's one of the, the joys of watching old movies in general. I mean, even stuff that's on studios, just, like, the weird like time travel element, but especially when you get to see like crazy locations of any place, you know. But especially like I mean, I think that city is just so great. And I romanticize New York a lot. Um, so when I think I see stuff like that, I'm like, oh, it's so cool. Or you know, especially Forty Second Street. Or anytime I see in a movie like uh, where I see film marquees, I always want to see what movie's playing. Um, and so whenever you see stuff like that, you're like, oh god, what movie's playing? Or I always think about you know what would I go do. <laughs> um, a weird like glimpse into you know another world yeah i love that yeah One of my favorite things me too this movie also like, we didn't talk about it, but even like the opening scene of this movie is so killer like uh that crazy scene in the convenience store oh like, my god like, the, totally forgot the tweaker like convincing so, like Con- convincingly oh, yeah. a tweaker yeah. yeah the worst teeth there's so many bad teeth in this movie like uh i mean uh, yeah, i think the scary, like, serial killer dude, like, he has super fucked up teeth, that first guy, it's, like, gross, like, it's, like, he's been eating, like, caramel, like, really tough caramel and, like, creamed corn, and he's just, like, wow, scratch, make him do the scratch-off ticket. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? This is so crazy. And then, like, how that all goes down is not how you would expect that to go down. Nope. And I also love that, where you're, like, you, you think that it'd be one thing, and then, as you're watching it, you're like, that is not how I saw this scene going down. Which I kind of love that one of the weird things about these movies is the fact that you have, like, the maniac cop is, you know, he kind of, he hates everybody, but then it's almost like he will kind of fuck someone over in one way so that someone else gets fucked over in a different way. You know, I kind of know, it's weird, his, weird the way his weird mind works. He hates everybody, he wants everybody to die and have a fucked up time. I kind of love, like, the weird, like, reversals that will happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's great. I think, yeah, it's definitely pretty solid. Yeah, so if you've listened this far and you hadn't seen either, that sucks because we just ruined everything. But Maniac Cop 2, I mean, check it nah, out. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, with movies like this, too, it's like you just you, you can spoil everything because you're kind of not in it for those reasons. You just need to see it no. <laughs> for other reason so yeah, oh, yeah. both maniac cop movies are like unspoilable really um so there you go all right we've done is this the third sequel series or the fourth it depends on, it depends on how we want to count it yeah well we've done it we, we've done yeah. a handful now and we're concluding it next time um yeah. with a quad episode how we started the first one so yeah it's uh it's it's we're we're going back in time and we're going back oh, yeah. in time again. It's great. It's like four movies that were shows in the 60s. How about that? Oh, yeah. For a little hint. Um, yeah, exactly. So until then, let's just keep it purely casual. Purely casual. All right. Bye.